Introducing the new City Life Church app. The City Life app enables you to listen to messages from Sundays, browse and keep up with connect groups, stay up to date with church life through our blog section, and much more. Download the City Life app today. Welcome to the City Life podcast. We are all about making Jesus known. We pray that these messages will help equip you to become a follower of Jesus who is empowered to influence and shape culture. Enjoy the message. If you have a Bible app, Bible, please get it open to the book of 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 7, verse 3. Excuse me, no, I'm not 1 Kings, 2 Kings 7, 3. All right, 2 Kings 7, verse 3. You know, it's time to live. And it's, it's, it's about a choice that you have to make. I tell you, one of the, one of the challenges I went through uh, several years ago, it was actually nine years ago, I was pastoring in the uh, Kansas City, Missouri area, and we had just opened our second campus, and, uh, and that included even a 24-hour prayer room, and I'm telling you, everything looked great. Uh, I was comfortable, had a good salary. I mean, everything just felt good. You, you know, you, sometimes you get in those places where everything just feels good. But even though I had all of this success all around me, and the people looked at me like, wow, you just, everything's going good. For some reason, I was finding that all of a sudden, I, I felt like life was draining out of me. I mean, I, I, I was obeying God. In fact, we had just completed building a 500-seat youth auditorium, and, and uh, we were developing our 25 acres of suburban property, and, and I was safe, and I was secure. But God, I, I remember He jolted me. I really felt that God told me that my work there was completed and that it was time for me to step out of what was really security and step into something that he had actually been preparing for me all along. All I sensed from God was move south and start something new in the heart of a big city. Many of you have heard that before, and I, I didn't know really whether it was a church or a business or a ministry. I knew it would be new and yet, yet different. And I, I just didn't know. But, but I do remember this, and it was so strong. I remember feeling that if I didn't obey God, that like, my, my, my life would be sucked out of me. Um, not physically necessarily, but I just, you know, I'm talking life. So I resigned that large church, and I stepped into the unknown. I'm telling you, it was a faith step, step like I've never known before. I moved back here uh, to this place I call home, and, 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 I, and I waited for God, for God to give me a green light on that, that next step. And, 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 and I didn't know it, but I had to wait two years before then I got the green light on the next step. I, I remember it was in the fall of 2010, two years after I had relocated here, that things actually began to come together. And, and then at that moment, I'll never forget it. it it's just when, when God dropped it in my heart, uh, I, I remember I was with my, my wife in the car and we started talking about what God was going to do. And, and all of a sudden I felt this life just surging back into my veins. And I knew that I would be risking everything. But all, I also knew this, is that I had to do this step. I had to step into life. No longer did I have comfort in fact, I had stepped uh, into the most uncomfortable, risky venture of my life, which is this. In the fall of 2011, uh, we held our grand opening right here at City Life Church. And the truth is, I'll just be honest with you, I have been living like never before. Uh, not only have I experienced more life than ever before, but I actually get to give more life to others. And in fact, one of the things that's true around here, this church is actually full of life. In fact, I had some ministry guests who were here with me at the Vision Banquet a few days ago and uh, last Sunday. 
And my ministry guest from outside this church said, wow, you know, they were commenting on how full of life you guys are. They would just kind of look around and say, man, they're, just, they're, they're, they're happy and they're like real and they're authentic. And, I, and sometimes I just get used to it, think that's normal. But these guys from the outside are like, no, this is not, a, you guys are not a normal church. And I was like, yes, because this is the church I've always dreamed of pastoring. Last, uh, last year, I mean, every Sunday, someone lifted their hand to give their life to Jesus. See, life is marking our church. Life is invigorating our church. I want you now to look at 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 3. Give you a little background on the story. It happened oh, almost 3,000 years ago in, what's, uh, in, in the area today known as Israel's West Bank in the Middle East. Ben-Hadad. Ben-Hadad was a bad guy. Uh, you know, if, if, you're, if your name is Ben, that doesn't mean that you're bad or anything, but if your name is Ben Haydad, you're bad, okay? So don't name your kid Ben Haydad. That's not a cool name. But Ben Haydad was the king of a little, of a, of a little nation called Aram, A-R-A-M. Uh, the Arameans were what the people were called. And they had laid siege on the city of Samaria. And it was the third time they had done it. And this was the capital of the northern kingdom of Israel. So it's kind of like their Washington, D.C., no one could even go in or out of the city because they had laid siege. I mean, th- so there was no food. Without trading, without bringing food in, they, they had nothing. And, and they had become desperate after the siege of several months. And th- in the city, just, you know, this intense famine hit and inflation was out of control. And, and it had gotten so bad, people were even resorting to eating their own children. It was It, it was terrible. Uh, the society was imploding, but that's actually what Ben-Hadad wanted in hopes that, you know, the society would implode and they would surrender. But I want us to take a look at the story because this is where some risky life-saving business happened. Second Kings chapter 7, verse 3 says, Now there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate, and they said to each other, Well, why stay here until we die? If we say, we'll go into the city, well, there's a famine in there, and we're going to die. If we stay here, we're going to die. So let's just go over to the camp of the Arameans and surrender. Uh, If they spare us, we live. If they kill us, well, then we die. (laughs) Death is everywhere else, so that's our best option. So at dusk, the sun was going down. They got up, and they walked over to the camp of the Arameans. And when they reached the edge of the camp, not a man was there. Why? It's because the Lord had caused the Arameans to hear a sound of chariots and horses and a great army. So they actually said to one another, look, the king of Israel hired the Hittite and the Egyptian kings to attack us. Those are the two most powerful armies around. So they got up and fled in the dusk, and they abandoned their tents and their horses and their donkeys. They left the camp as it was, and they ran for their lives. That's a miracle story out right there. So the men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp. They're just at the very edge. See the first little tent. They entered one of the first tents they saw, and they ate and drank food, water, drink. And they carried away silver and gold and clothes and like, well, we're, we're going to go hide this somewhere. So they went and hid it. And, and then they returned and they did the same thing in another tent. And they took some things and they hid it also. I mean, this story's getting fun. These guys are having a blast. And, and then they said to each other, wait, wait, wait. We're not doing right. This is a day of good news. And we're just keeping it to ourselves. 
And if we wait until daylight, punishment's going to overtake us. So let's now go at once and report this at the royal palace. And they did, and the famine broke. I mean, they went out there, all the supplies they needed were in the airman's camp, and, and everything went back to normal within a day. See, this story is in the Bible for a purpose. It's not there just so that we can have some, uh, some intellectual stimulation or follow a nice little storyline for entertainment. No, actually there are amazing spiritual principles there. And in fact, you look at the characters that are in the, the narrative. I mean, they were, they were lepers. They had this flesh-eating disease of leprosy. And these guys basically had one foot in the coffin you know, they, they, they were exiled from the city. They were viewed with horror and disdain. They, they, were, they were marked by, uh, as being like dangerous and grotesque. And whenever anybody came close to the leopards, well, well, the lepers were literally required by law to shout out, unclean. That let the other people know, hey, I've got a disease and you don't want to get it. And the children would run away from them in horror and look at them and scream. And the respectable people wouldn't even look them in the eye. They'd just kind of go on their way. Here's what I love. God chose the least. He selected the most unlikely and the most disdained to bring about massive blessing. I don't care what you've been through. I don't care who you are. I don't care your, rep, your reputation. I, God chooses people like that to change the world, their family, their own lives, their cities, their businesses. And, and, and they not only brought blessing to themselves, but they brought blessing to the entire city. But what they had to do is they had to make a decision to either stay put and experience death, go backward into the city and take death, or take a risk that they might live. And that is the decision that I'm challenging you guys to make today because it's time to live. See, see their decision to live gave them personal hope that, that actually saved the entire city. And you see, when you help yourself you're going to be helping out a whole lot of other people. Uh, too many people are comfortable with the trappings of, of death. And, and, and today, we actually have a perfect image of the trappings of death. And the trappings of death look like this right here. Yes. Oh, this is not the way you want to live. Uh-uh. I don't want to live that way. See, the coffin speaks of death. Is that, is that where some of you guys are living? Is, is that what you want, you know? It's the attitude of like, oh, the world is coming to an end. I need shelter from the elements. I, I, I'd better hunker down. I want a soft and secure environment. Uh, you know, life is just morbid, so, you know, I just need to take one more nap. Hey, you know what? It's more important to kind of look classy, so that's what I'll do. It takes a lot more effort to, than, than it does for other people to get me to move, so that's why I like to live here. Or I love clear boundaries, you know, I like walls and barriers, or I prefer darkness. Safety is my priority. Or I need to hide so I don't get hurt again. I'm just not a happy, optimistic person. And I'm telling you, that is the coffin death box mentality. Stop spending your life in the safe but deadly confines of your personal coffin because God is in the business of breaking people out of their death boxes and showing them how to really live. Now today we also have another image, and this is the image that symbolizes life and freedom. Come on, guys. Here we go. Oh, yeah.
Now, this motorcycle speaks of life. Now, I prefer life. So we go, well, that's a little dangerous. No, that's deadly. <laughs> See, I don't want to live in the death box. The attitudes and the thought processes of the motorcycle, or life is like, I'm just going to experience life while I have it. Jesus said, the thief came only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Hey, hey, remember the lepers? If you stay put, you die. If you go backwards, you die. That is Satan's plan. But if you risk, you live, and that is God's plan. John 10, 10, that's our theme scripture for this year, and it matches up with our theme for 2018, which says it's time to live. And when you help yourself out to start living, you're going to help out a whole lot of other people. And when you say it's time to live, it means that you're, you're going to say, you know what, just like a motorcycle rider, I, I'm not afraid of the elements. I have always just think the, the coolest guys on motorcycles are the guys who are out there driving their motorcycle in the rain. I just think they're extra cool. I really do. I really do. You know, stuff is going to fly at you in life, people. And you're safe in the death box. But if you're living, you've got to make up your mind that you're not going to be afraid of the elements. And Jesus' disciples, these men who actually turned the world upside down according to the Scriptures, they brought this Jesus message of life to the world, but they also had to overcome their own fears. They had to get over some of their scaredness. Oh, you know, in Luke chapter 8, there's this little story of when, when they were in the boat with Jesus, and, and it says a squall came down on the lake, and the boat was being swamped, and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him and saying, Master, where were you going to drown? That's how they said it. And, and Jesus got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters, and the storm subsided, and it was calm. He said to his disciples, where's your, your faith? <laughs> you see, fear and living in the coffin will always focus on the negative what-ifs. What if I fail? What if I get made fun of? It's just safer here. But you see, the life and faith, the, the, it, it actually focuses on the positive what-ifs. What if I'm successful and I'm able to bless thousands of people? What if I start serving in the children's ministry and I lead a little child to Jesus? What if I minister life to, uh, to a person who's hurting and living on the fringes of life and, and then I find out I've actually ministered to an angel? <laughs> I mean, change your what-ifs to the positive. I'm not going to live my life in, in paralyzing fear. Why? Because it's time to live. See, when you help yourself out, you're also going to help out a whole lot of other people. And the future of other people is actually dependent upon you doing what Jesus wanted his disciples to do. Tell the wind and the waves to stop yourself. Come on, you can do it. And if you really believe it's time to live, then you just simply need to say, well, then I'm going to be willing to take a risk. Yeah, you know what? Taking a risk is actually a spiritual principle. It's all through the New Testament. The people who took risks were honored by God. It's where you learn to lean into God. It's where you hope in God. And you watch how things begin to shift for you. Scripture says in Isaiah chapter 40, it says, those who hope in the Lord, you're going to renew your strength. You're going to soar on wings like eagles. Now, now, now think about that because this says that we are designed to live we are actually meant to soar. I don't care what society says. Man was created to fly. And don't you let anyone else tell you any different. Take that risk and soar. I think that's probably even what, what Evil Knievel used to think when I was a kid. You know, he was just going to get on that bike and soar. 
It's time to live. Quit spending your life in the safe confines of your personal coffin because God's in the business of breaking people out of those death boxes and showing them how to really live. And that's what's happening around here. You remember those lepers when they took that risk? It's so amazing because it just reminds us that God loves to use the unlikely people who are looked down upon to do the most amazing things. You know, these men, they not only benefited greatly themselves and enjoyed good food and stuff and prizes all night long, but they became a blessing to the city that made them outcasts. Wow. See, that's what living is about. It's not about revenge. If you really believe it's time to live, then I recommend you learn to also just say, I, I'm a person who enjoys forceful advancement oh pastor tim that sounds aggressive you know we can't be aggressive in today's world let's just be calm and gentle well you know what i'm, I'm all into being calm and gentle when i'm sleeping but you know th th there is something else called forceful advancement and it is good and it is positive whoever is going to work on their job and just be calm and gentle no you're going to get fired after a week you know whoever is going to going to just to try to live life and let it happen to them no you're going to float downstream no i enjoy forceful advancement see city life church would not exist if it wasn't for forceful advancement people who said yes we're, we're going to advance in fact even jesus said this to his disciples and his staff when he was training them to change the world he said this he said from the days of john the baptist until now the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and he said forceful men lay hold of it in other words do you want to do it or not do you want to do it or not i'm just not going to let life death happen to me i'm going to live life See, forceful advancement is how progress happens. You just get your feet under you and you start moving. I mean, isn't that what the lepers did at the gate of Samaria? They got up and they forcefully advanced and they were risking a lot, but they created a future for themselves and for all of Samaria. Hey, my, my friends, it is time to live. When you help yourself, you're going to help out a whole lot of other people. And when you're saying it's time to live, you're also saying, I would much rather be free. You really, what you're saying when you're saying it's time to live is, I don't want to live all beat down and oppressed simply because somebody else doesn't like me or somebody doesn't like the clothes I wear or the, thing, the way I do things. See, and Paul, I like it because the scriptures say that uh, Paul says this. He said, why should my freedom be judged by someone else's conscience? See, don't, don't succumb to someone else who has a critical spirit about you. You don't have to let the negative culture at your office or on the job control you. you know, I know it's hard, but put that smile on your face. Stop the negativity. You haul off and have a good time getting your work done. Stop seeing that job as, as, well, I'm working for a mean boss. No, no, you're working for God. And if God is for you, who can be against you? Your adversary, your critic, and your hater, they might win a battle, but you're going to win the war. Why? It's because the scriptures tell us that. You just got to keep living life to its fullest, refusing to be judged by the grouches of the world. For some of you, that's, an, that's, that's it. That's what you need for the day. <laughs> hey, man, it, it's time to live. Help yourself. You're going to be helping a lot of other people. If you're really living, then you're going to say, well, you know, I actually enjoy the light. You don't have to hide out in the darkness anymore. Jesus even said, let your light shine before men. They, they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. I mean, others are going to see you living life to its fullest. One of the things I love about a motorcycle is, is, is you, that, that, little, that little headlight on the front, that, that's going to be on. 
and, and it, you're going to hear it. And it, it's, it's, going to, it's going to be very evident that that is there. Now, if you're driving a Prius, nobody will know you came or went. And it's okay if you drive a Prius, but, I, you know, hey, hey. I just don't want to live right there. See, your choice to live brightly will actually have this domino effect just like it did with the lepers. Like the lepers, you may not think of yourself as being accomplished or privileged. You might even see yourself as being a victim of circumstances or sickness or disease, a victim of your employer or your family, a victim of your DNA, a victim of a financial disaster or a business failure. But God does not see you that way, nor does God want you to stay that way. God is saying, get up, take a step out of that box and begin to walk in the light. It's time to live, guys. When you help yourself, you're going to start helping a whole lot of other people. When you choose to get out of that box and really live, basically you're saying, you know, past failure isn't going to stop me anymore. You're not going to be defined by yesterday's losses, yesterday's failures, or last year's defeats. You see, after God's people were defeated at the Battle of Ai, they didn't just like, oh no, we're just going to hide and give up because somebody won against us. They weren't going to let that loss be, uh, be on their epitaph. No, what they did is after they lost that, that battle, they leaned forward, they learned some lessons, and they surged into the future because past failure wasn't going to define them. Basically, it's just God told them this. God said, the Lord said to Joshua, says, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged, just take the whole army with you and go up and attack Ai, for I have delivered you into the hands of the king of Ai, his people, and his city, and his land. You know, but, but see, a week earlier, they got defeated by them but the past is called the past for a reason <laughs> you get that you see when you pursue life then you're going to begin to see miracles occur you're not going to be living looking in your rearview mirror you're going to wreck that way guys when those lepers took action toward life god went ahead and just dealt with the enemy god was actually waiting on somebody to take a few steps of faith and God decided, I'm going to work this miracle that is crazier than anyone could ever believe. So your miracle is actually waiting on you when you're willing to step out of your box. It's time to live, guys. But you can't be afraid. Fear of failure is going to stop God's work every single time. This attitude of life that says, well, I'm going all in is really where you need to be. It's about making up your mind that you're going to jump in and that you're going to give yourself back to the God who breathed life into you. Scripture says, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. And this is your spiritual act of worship. See, the spiritual benefits of going all in, I'm telling you guys, they're massive. Because, like I shared earlier, it's, it's about walking in joy. And you leave these deposits of God wherever you go. You begin to lift up and encourage people around you who are also locked in their dark death box. Your life has purpose. My friend, that's always been God's plan for you. And here at City Life Church, I just want to tell this church, hey, church, it's time for us to live. We are a people, and this is so beautiful about our, our congregation, we're a people of glowing authenticity and grace-filled warmth. We're a congregation of magnetic energy and contagious happiness and vibrant servanthood, and I love what's happening here. I'm just saying now, guys, it's time to live. I just want us to live it out as, as, as followers of Jesus who are developing other followers of Jesus who are shaping and impacting culture. 
I mean, this, this last year, we've been living like never before, but this year, it's going to be even crazier. You know, I'm believing this year that we're going to see 500 people lift their hands for salvation through this ministry. I want to see 1,000 people in the house on those same weekend. I'm just praying that we're going to see 20,000 downloads of City Life messages, 20,000 people walking through our doors this year. Some of you serving on city boards and commissions, an internship program established, and full church sovereignty and autonomy, and a big missions trip for the congregation. I'm telling you, this year is the time where we're going to develop the core ministries of our church and we're going to help people identify their cultural streets for Jesus so they can make a difference wherever they are called to in society. It's all about making Jesus known and I believe in that. We're all about training and equipping the local church this year empowered by the Holy Spirit to be salt and light in the cultural streets of our community because my heart was given to me to contribute to a dream. That's all I've done since day one here. My heart just always beats create the future for those who have none. My heart is for those who are suffering silently, who are starving for significance, who are starving and malnourished for love. My heart is for the world to see the hope of Jesus reach the ends of the earth. My heart is for my city to see an unusual revival break forth. And my heart is for my church to see people go from death to life and be trained and impacted to significantly make a difference in culture. Hey guys, there was a lot of dying people around you. And they need what Jesus has given you just like the lepers realized. Wait a minute, we can't keep this to ourselves. Personally, that's why I'm excited about what's happening here at our church. I'm excited about Easter. I love the story of life. You know, this life, the story of resurrection is really the, the centerpiece of Christianity. The story of resurrection is about stepping out of a death box. The whole concept of stepping out of, of a tomb is, is central to everything we believe. And I can't wait to pack this place out on Easter Sunday, on April 1st. And, and because God is in the business of breaking people out of their death coffins and showing them how to really live see god's infusion of life revives us from the coffin um, the mystery of resurrection on that first easter is amazing but i love it because not only was jesus not only was jesus resurrected but godly people from all over the city all over the area, they came bursting out of their tombs in Jerusalem. They literally came out of their tombs and they went back to their families. Scripture says the tombs broke open. Bodies of holy people who had died and been raised to life, they came out of the tombs. After Jesus' resurrection, then they went into the holy city and they appeared to many people. I mean, do, do you see this? It's time to step out of that mundane death box. I don't care how cute and cozy it is. I don't care if it's lined in nice velvet. It's a coffin! God is in the business of reviving people out of their velvet coffins. You're going to walk into your house today with a new spirit of life. And when you get home, you're going to start infecting other people with it. You're going to walk on the job tomorrow infused and overflowing with life and atmospheres are going to begin to shift. You're going to be walking down the street, walking through the store, jogging through the gym and people are going to notice something different about you because you are infused with life. You are full of grace. You are bursting with light and energy. And why? Because God has revived you out of that velvet coffin because you are living. You're really living. And now you're making a difference because you help yourself 
be helping a whole bunch of other people because you have purpose and your life counts. Church, it is time to live, and I'm calling us as a church to this in 2018. I'd like for there to be no movement at this time, and I want you to close your eyes for a moment and focus internally because some of you might be here today and you've never really surrendered your life completely to Jesus, or it's possible that you've drifted from your relationship with God. And if you want to know the Jesus that we talk about here at City of Life, you want a new beginning, then I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond simply by lifting your hand. Because faith is when we respond outwardly to what's stirring on the inside. Know this, Jesus loves you more than you can imagine, and he died so that you can have life, and everything changes today you'd like to be included in this closing prayer make jesus christ the lord of your life surrender your life to jesus i'm asking you at the count of three to lift your hand one two three lift your hand so i can connect my faith with yours thank you who else lift your hand so i can connect my faith with yours thank you here's what i'd like for us to do i want everyone in this room will you please stand please stand every single person i want us to pray these words and I want us to mean it from the bottom of our hearts. Pray this with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. I believe you're the Son of God. Please forgive my sins. Today I give up my past, and I embrace the future that you have for me. Thank you for life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from City Life Church. You can stay connected through Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And we look forward to seeing you on Sunday.